ladies and gentlemen, you can give yourselves a round of applause because you've officially made it. It is the summertime, so give yourselves a round of applause, please. <laughs> I'm laughing because if you're a Floridian, you're not really all that excited about it because <laughs> all, all that means is it's just about to get hotter, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and so hot you can't even say the T. You're just like, <sighs> you know, it's that hot. And because uh, we really don't have any seasons here, it just gets hot, hot, more, more, more hot, you know. And all that means is, is that you're going to have to probably, you know, pay a little bit more on your electric bill as you turn the air down, which is always no fun, right? So, but congratulations, you did make it, man. When I, uh, growing up, I absolutely loved the summertime. One of the reasons be, was because there was no school, all right? Now, if you are a parent in the house, you really aren't that excited about it, you know? I mean, I had to stare at my kid, you know, all day long. What am I going to do with them, you know? And, uh, but for students, they're pumped about it because it means you get to sleep in a little bit longer, you know? And not only that, uh, but... At least for me, I know growing up, I absolutely loved it. Once my eyes popped open, whatever that was, at noon or whatever, I'd wake up, get my bowl of cereal. I'm a Frosted Flakes kind of person, okay? And after, after consuming, downing my Frosted Flakes. Do I have any Frosted Flakes lovers in the house today? Yes. Captain Crunch? Fruity Pebbles? That wasn't even in my notes. I'm just saying it. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Some of you get nervous. You're like, oh, gosh, I got a brother here. We're going to be here till next Sunday. That's not going to be the case, I promise you, all right? So anyway... Uh, uh, but I loved it because I got to just hang out with my friends and, uh, until the sun went down. It's interesting now, though, like, you look out in neighborhoods and the parks, and it's like, where are the kids at? You know, like, what is going on? Maybe you're just hanging out on your phone. I don't know what it is. But I loved being out, hanging out in the summertime with my friends. It just makes special memories. Going on family vacations is just absolutely incredible. Speaking of the summer, folks, I got to tell you this, that I'm just excited I'm alive this summer, Okay. Because I had a traumatic experience last summer. So not only do I hang out with our middle and high school students called Velocity, but uh, we also have another group that's called The Grove. And uh, last year on the calendar, um, being the brave leader that I was, we said that we're going to go canoeing. All right. Now, you got to understand, this brother here from where I was born and raised at in Dayton, Ohio, there was no canoeing that went on. All right. You just need to know, we're in the city, wasn't a lot of canoeing happened, wasn't a lot of swimming going on either. All right. And so, and so but I thought, you know, it'd be a cool experience. We'll, we'll give it a try, you, you know. And, uh, but as the day drew closer, I got to be honest with you, the more nervous I got, okay, about it. So the day finally came, we all, you know, meet up here at the church and heading off, and everybody's pros that's there. Everybody that went this day in the Grove, they were pros except for me and my wife. <laughs> and so my wife and I come up with a strategy like, okay, what are we going to do? You know, should we stay in the same kayak or should we, you know, get another canoe, I should say, with somebody else? And you're like, my wife's like, no, let's just ride together. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, that's probably a bad idea, right? <laughs> But I didn't tell her that. <laughs> I said, okay, yeah, baby, you know how you do as a man. You just try to, like, you know, be tough, and we'll make, we'll make it happen. So we get there. First of all, first experience. Remember, city boy. You remember this, okay, before you judge me, all right? So we get there, and uh, the guide, he comes out, and he gives us, literally, first of all, he says this. How many of you, this is your first time in our group? Me and my wife, only the only, only ones. <laughs> so you're embarrassed. You're like, you know, bring your hand back down real quickly, you know. And the guy, he gives us literally like 30 to 45 seconds of instruction. It was a joke, all right? If you want to go left, you do this. You wanna, I don't even remember it. That's how much of a joke it was, all right? So the guys in our group, they go ahead of us, and they're doing their thing. Well, then it starts to storm like crazy. Wow is correct. Thundering. 
Lightning, first experience. And I'm thinking, this is going to be memorable. <laughs> so I look at the guy and I say to him, I say, hey, man, let me ask you a question. If this, if you were us, would you get in the canoe, the canoe right now? He was like, <laughs> if it was me, absolutely not. Now, this is after half of our group is already down the river. <laughs> I'm thinking, we got to catch up with them some way or I'm going to lose my job. I can just see it happening, all right? So here we are. We jump in this canoe. This is no exaggeration at all. We jump in. My wife is in the front. I'm in the back. We're doing the best that we absolutely can, okay? And so we're like, all right, babe, we're going to go, so go straight. So we start getting it, you know what I mean? All right, I'm going to try to go to the left. Now, as I'm trying to go to the left, for some reason, our canoe is going to the right. Maybe it was user error. I don't know. And as we're trying to go to the right, it's going to the left. Seriously. At one point, we, like, went into the bushes. This is no lime. The guide is sitting there. The guide, he's up, okay, on dry land watching us. Us and with no instructions at all. He's just watching us. I'm like, hey, can you help us, homie? You know what I mean? So then we eventually, we get it to where we can back it back up. We get back to, you know, dry ground. We regroup. I look at my wife and I say, babe, you're going to try this again? He was like, one more time. Just one more time. You got to understand. She's Dominican, hot woman, all right? And when she said just one more time, I knew what that meant. We're going to try this one more time. That was it. So here she is. So she's up in the front. I'm in the, I'm in the back. And we get it. We, we try to get it. Okay, so we say left, okay, getting a little rhythm here, you know what I mean? Right, going straight. And I'm, you know, you start to feel confident like, man, we're making some progress here, you know what I'm saying? Then, because I think it's because we got overly confident, here we are, we're trying to go straight, and instead we are going left toward the bushes, but this time <laughs> there's two eyeballs that's staring at us. Yes, correct. <laughs> And I'm, we're trying to get back from these eyeballs, but the more I'm trying to get back to back up away from these eyeballs, the more I'm going towards the eyeballs. And it's an alligator. <laughs> and he sits there, he, he jumps up out of the water, no exaggeration, and he starts to hiss, okay? Now, here's the thing. That's why, probably why in the city we didn't jump in the water with alligators. Now, at that time... I start seeing signs that, that says, I didn't see this before, that the water, okay, is filled up with alligators, all right? My wife jumps from the front of the boat into the back with me, <laughs> which is probably not a good thing. You know, that's a, that is just a recipe for disaster, all right? So here we are, I'm backing it up as best I can with the little muscles that I have, and finally we get to dry ground with the guy sitting there looking at us, some kind of guy he is. <laughs> so here we are, and I look at my wife, and she's like, no, nah, that's it, we're going home, we're leaving, we're leaving. The rest of our group, they own down the river, hanging out, I guess having a great time, hopefully they're alive, I don't even know, all right? But literally, we jumped in the car, and we left them, right? <laughs> now... About an hour or so later, somebody from our group, they texted us and said, where are you guys at? <laughs> we had to tell them, listen, fear took over. We are, not, we are nowhere to be seen. We are gone. <laughs> uh, and what do you do, okay, when you're crippled by fear? You'll get ice cream. That's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> and not just from any place. The Cold Stone ice cream is what we went to, right? Just to, we just sat down, looked into her beautiful eyes and had ice cream, and we were just excited that I could actually see her. I really thought I was going to lose my wife and my life that day, all right? Now! Some of my friends, they sent me a picture. They went on. We were crippled by fear. They were not. Here is a picture of their experience. Check this out. Look at them. All nothing, okay? 
They're, they're making it look like it's like Disney World, all right? They're hanging out, having a great time. There's alligators in the water, ladies and gentlemen. That is not a vacation, okay, to me. But you know what? Fear got a hold of us. It paralyzed us so that we could not even enjoy this. We didn't even dare post a picture of our experience at all. I got a question for you real quick. Has fear paralyzed you to where you weren't able to have this kind of experience, right? Maybe it was an alligator. Maybe it was something else. Let me, let me ask, ask it this way. Have you ever had an experience that you couldn't fully enjoy because you were paralyzed by fear when you should have chosen courage? Or let me ask it this way. Have you ever suffered from regret because you chose fear over courage? Over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through what we've called the Summer Party Series. And we've been looking at, through the lens of Scripture, by the way, different characters in the Bible and characteristics that God seemingly he celebrates over. And by the way, one of the reasons we run to this book that's called the Word of God for wisdom, for clarity, for direction for our life is in 1 Timothy 3.16. It says this, that every Scripture is God-breathed. And it is profitable. Say profitable. Uh, recently, I uh, jumped into the gym and got a trainer because I really need a lot of help. I'm a scrub, okay? And the reason why I jumped into it and got a trainer is because I felt like it would be profitable for me. But you know what is much more profitable? The, the Word of God, though. And scripture says that it is, it is every scripture is God-breathed, and it is profitable for instruction. Say instruction. And it says also for conviction, for correction, and for training in righteousness, for training in how to be in right standing with God. And so when this book, when it gets inside of us, it transforms us from the inside out, by the way. I'm a scrub. But who I am today is not the person I was five years ago. Even a year ago. You know why? You say, what, because you read some self-help book? No, that wouldn't help me. It's because the word of God over time has transformed me from the inside out. But you need to understand this, though, that I am still under construction. Don't believe it? Ask my wife. She'll tell you. But the same is true with you, too. In fact, I think if I were able to hand the microphone and go around the room, I'm not going to do that. Don't get nervous. But if I did that, I think several of you in this room, you would say, who I am today, you have a similar story. It's not the person I used to be maybe a couple of months ago maybe a year ago, maybe several years ago. And you would say, it's not because of my own doing. It is because of God using his word to transform me from the inside out. Um, highlighting scripture, by the way, is not enough. Scripture needs to highlight our lives. It's cool to be able to highlight scripture. That's a great thing. We can go back to it. We can mull over it. But we really need scripture to highlight our lives. And when it does that, that is when you really see real transformation. And, and just like studying these characteristic traits alone are not enough, but rather making these character traits a part of our lives and a part of our stories. Over the last couple of weeks, you've heard from several, several of us who've been kind of tag team preaching this series. And uh, we've looked at David and the character trait of selflessness. We've looked at Abraham and the character trait of faith. We've looked at Jeremiah just last week with Pastor Justin and the character trait of perseverance. Say perseverance. And today, we're closing out looking at Joshua, who's one of my favorite characters to look at, one of my favorite books as well in the, in, in the Bible. And we're going to be looking at the character trait of courage. Say courage. courage. If you have your Bibles, open it real quickly to Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. That's where we're going to be at and going through verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, 
beginning with verse 1. As you're going there, 10 years ago, I was sitting in my bedroom, and I was wrestling through a really big decision. And I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to stay at home and do schooling at home, college, or if I was going to leave and go to this big unknown place called Florida where there's alligators, okay? And there I was really wrestling through that decision. And each one of us in our life, we have decisions that we have to really wrestle through, right, that are big decisions. And I got to be honest with you, it would be easier for me to stay at home next to my family where I knew it was going to be safe. But I knew without a shadow of doubt that God was calling me, though, to go to Florida, even though it was unknown territory for me. And it was the first time that I was really introduced to this passage, Joshua chapter 1. I don't even remember who the, the preacher was. He was on this TV screen, and he was preaching on Joshua chapter 1. I don't know his name, but I do know that I was captivated. I was engaged the whole time. Have you ever had an experience where someone was communicating the word of God, and you felt like God was just speaking to you? Even though it was like a full room, you felt like, man, it's, it felt like God is just speaking to me alone. That was, I had that kind of experience in that moment. Uh, four years ago, my heart fell in love, okay, with who now is my wife. And I remember going through, okay, just making a, a big decision, okay, I, I can't date this girl forever. Am I going to man up and marry this woman? God, once again, he used Joshua chapter 1 and a little bit of Beyonce as well, you know. <laughs> if you like what you see, put a ring on it. So, you know, it inspired me and moved me how they put a ring on it, you know what I mean? <laughs> so... We got married. Three years ago, i never forget, I was at that point married, and uh, we were in St. Pete, and my wife and I spent some time there for a couple of days really praying over a big decision that was faced with either staying in the ministry that I was in and had been there for eight years, very fruitful ministry, loved it, had a great time, and a ministry called Word of Life and involved with the camps and also involved with the, the college throughout the year. I loved it. But God had presented another opportunity, though, to move to a place called Valrico to serve at a church called Center Point Church. And I remember my wife and I sitting there and praying in the morning I woke up, and God once again redirected me to this passage. Be strong, be courageous, for the Lord your God, he is with you wherever you go. And had I not stepped out in each one of those things, first of all, stepped out to come to Florida, it was, a, it was a scary decision, but it was the right decision to make, though, because I had so many opportunities to learn and to grow and to meet my beautiful wife. Had I not stepped out of my comfortable boat, okay, of eight years in ministry at Word of Life, would have missed out on investing in the future of our planet here at Centerpoint Church. And so here we are, we're jumping into Joshua chapter 1, which really focuses in a lot on this word courage today. In verse 1, it says this, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, pause. Have you ever had a friend, a family member, a co-worker, somebody that was close to you that you love, that you lost due to death? This is where Joshua was at. Moses was a friend of his. He was his assistant. He was an assistant to Moses, and Moses has died, Scripture says. It's pretty emotional how it opens up. And then... As you walk through it, one of the things that I also capture is, is that God doesn't, his plan doesn't stop. It keeps going, though. Even though Moses had died, God had another leader in the wing waiting, although Joshua didn't necessarily know that. And it was Joshua's turn to step up. 
What a great principle, though, that for us to remember that none of us are irreplaceable. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be at the top of your game and your business or whatever, and that's awesome. But here's the deal. None of us are irreplaceable. And just because one man or woman dies, God's plan does not stop. It continues on. And and it continues on in this passage, and it says this. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. I think Joshua probably already knew that. In fact, he probably was hurting from the death of, of Moses. And God says, therefore, the time has come for you to lead. Therefore, the time has come for you to step up and to lead. Those are big shoes to fill. I'm sure Joshua was thinking. And he goes on and he says, the Israelites across the Jordan River and to the land I'm giving them, I promise you that what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness into the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates rivers in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. What a great promise. And then he says this, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to the promise to possess, excuse me, all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong, in verse 7 he says, and very courageous. Now, do you think it is a coincidence that God continues to say, be strong and courageous? Multiple times. He says it three different times to Joshua, be strong and courageous. It's almost implied that Joshua probably was a little fearful. And he says, be strong and courageous, be careful to obey all. Say all. all. No, say it again. Say all. all. Not just some of them. All the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Then he says, meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Here it goes again. He said in verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Joshua's situation. Moses has died. Joshua now has the task of leading the Israelites. It's a big deal because there are 2 million Israelites that he's responsible to lead. Now imagine that. Now, some of you, maybe you have a small company with a small team that you lead out, and sometimes that can be difficult. If we're honest, sometimes it can be difficult leading our own selves. Imagine two million people. Now, imagine two million rebellious people who didn't always believe. Extremely difficult task to have to lead these people. And God looks at Joshua and he says, Moses is dead. You're next. Maybe Joshua was thinking, probably one of the reasons why Moses is dead because these folks done killed him. That's probably why. That wasn't the case, though. It was a difficult task. Joshua also knew that he would have to lead two million people into the enemy's territory. Let me talk to you a little bit about that. The land was filled with walled cities. As you read on through the book of Joshua, they had giants, okay? Now, I've seen tall people, but I haven't necessarily seen giants before, okay? They were up against giants and well-armed soldiers and chariots. I am sure that fear gripped Joshua. By the way, what is fear? We can define fear this way if we can put it up on the screen. It's an eternal alarm that goes off within us in some fashion. Continue on. 
when we're facing imminent danger, feeling threatened, or feeling helpless. Continue on. To avoid or change the situation. Now, the opposite of fear is what? Courage. And maybe we could define courage this way. It is a quality of mind or spirit that enables us to meet danger or face opposition or the challenges of life with fearlessness, calmness, and firmness. If you're a Jesus follower, Scripture says this in first, or 2 Timothy verse 1, 7. It says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear. No, no. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's what Scripture says. The basis for Joshua's courage is God, he begins to make promises to Joshua as you read on through this passage of Scripture. Let me tell you this. People have a way sometimes of following through their promises, but other times not following through. But God, when he makes a promise, he follows through with his promises. And here is what he says to Joshua in verse 5. He says this, For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever had somebody that you thought was going to be there by your side fail you before? Have you ever had somebody that you really... That you, you love them, you thought they love you, but in, and they were there when you were on top of the mountain, but when you went through the wilderness experience, they abandoned you. You ever felt that before? God says, I'm not like that. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to abandon you. No, no, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And that is honestly even a great word for our seniors today. As you are heading off to college, it's a big deal. Some of you may be even a little fearful of the next step. And here's what you need to know. God is going with you. He will not fail you. He's not going to abandon you. The theological word for God being present, by the way, is omnipresence. Say omnipresence. It it literally means this, that God's presence is always with us. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, which is a great book, by the way, he quotes a French writer named Hilbert of Tours, which is a sweet name. And here's what he says. He says this, God is everywhere, close to everything, next to everything, over all things, under all things, outside all things, within all, not enclosed, without but not excluded, above but not raised up, below but not depressed, holy above, presiding, holy beneath, sustaining, holy within, filling. God is always with us. God is always with us, and God then, as he walks on through this passage, he gives Joshua a responsibility. And here's what he says here in verse 7. He says, be strong. Say, be strong. And then he says, and very courageous. Say, very courageous. He says, be careful now to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Do not deviate from them. Do not deviate from the instructions that that is found in the word of God, he's saying. Now, some of us, if we're honest with our GPS system... You know how you put it in some of your, your directions. You're going to a place you've never been to before, right? And you start to drive. And then, especially for us as men, we get confident and think, oh, I know where I'm going. And we deviate from the plan and then end up lost. You ever had that happen to you before? It certainly has happened to me multiple times, if I had to confess it. A lot of times, though, we had that same approach even with Scripture, where we deviate from the Word of God. 
And when I deviate from God's plans, things end up broken. And that doesn't just sit with me alone, but when you deviate from God's plan, when we, we're all in the same boat together, deviate from the plans of God, his word, something's going to end up broken in your life. As you continue on, he says to him, he gives him the key to courage in verse 8. He says, study this book of instruction continually. Don't stop. Keep reminding yourself of this book, the instruction, the word of God continually. He says, meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, he says, will you prosper and succeed in all you do. It's amazing. He didn't say, hey, go to eight years in college and then you'll be prosperous and succeed in all you do. Now, God is not against education. A sharper axe can cut more wood. But he says, if you really want to be successful, if you really want to know how to live, then you got to get this book on the inside of you. you got to study it. And, and he includes five essential elements. The first thing is, he says, you got to read it. He, he says, reading, we must first know what God has said in his words. You know what? The times when I have fallen, and there's been many times when I've fallen in my life, it's because I've deviated from the word of God or I didn't know what God said in his word. It's interesting to me, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, the, the great fall that took place there with Adam and Eve, and the enemy, there he is, he's attacking them. There's only two people that day who knew God's word, and it was God and the enemy, not Adam or Eve. And because of that, they ended up broke, busted, and disgusted. We had to read, but more than that, we need to believe what God's word has said. And the other thing is we need to absorb. We need to absorb scripture into our thinking so that we understand it and it governs our thoughts. Did you know this? That our thoughts are pretty powerful, by the way. Uh, sometimes, actually not sometimes, regularly we need to have the discipline of thinking about what we think. Do you agree with me that your thinking is very powerful? You're thinking it can govern you, it directs where you go, which can be good or bad. But when we have the word of God, when we are exorbiting it within our thinking, it governs our thoughts. And then it doesn't just stop there. We need to apply God's word because it directs our way of living and then obeying it. Knowing God, what God has said, we respond, hopefully, with complete and full obedience. Then God, he gives Joshua a warning. And he says to him in verse 8, he says, the Lord emphatically spells out what Joshua must do in order to succeed at bringing the people into the promised land. He says to him, be sure to obey everything. Say everything. everything. He says, be sure to obey everything that's in it. Now, this brother right here, I love to eat. I don't know about you. And I love Chinese food. Any other Chinese food lovers in the house today? Yes, indeedy. We can just all go to the Chinese buffet, right? Just hang out afterwards. I love going to Chinese buffet when I have time to be able to do that. I walk through my crab ragoons, my rice, you know what I mean? Uh, my orange chicken, please just throw it on there, all of it, okay? I just absolutely love it. But then, I got to be honest with you, though, there are things that I walk past in the buffet line that I'm not quite sure what that is. <laughs> there are things that I'm like, I'm not sure if that's an animal that they just killed in the back or what, but I don't want it. Hey, you know what? Sometimes we approach Scripture the same way, though. Instead of saying we want to obey, you know, all of it, which is what God says, 
a lot of times, though, we, we embrace that which we're comfortable with, and the other we leave out. God, man, he gives Joshua clear instructions. He says, be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Be sure to obey my voice even when it doesn't make sense. And by the way, God told Joshua to do some crazy things that didn't make sense, by the way. If you turn over to Joshua chapter 6, verse 3 to 5, you will see that when the people approached Jericho, the Lord gave Joshua a very strange strategy. He tells him to march around the city once a day for six days. What? Now, I don't know about you, but if it was me that God was telling him to do that, I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. And then he says seven times on the seventh day. Then shout, and the walls will fall down. Now, does that not sound crazy to you? At least to me, when I read it, and every time I read it, I think, that sounds really crazy. But those are the instructions that God gave to Joshua. And Joshua followed through, and he probably had some hesitation, but he followed through anyway. And you know what? They found success there. Many times, God will challenge us to take the first step without seeing the entire staircase. And God clarifies, by the way, in the midst of obedience, not beforehand. Many times what we want is we need to know the whole plan, right, before we take the step. That is not always how God works. Many times, in fact, he calls us to just take a step of obedience, and then he clarifies what the next step is. Courage is a choice, by the way, and it requires action. Courage is a choice, and it requires action. Ralph Emerson said this, unless you try to do something beyond what you have already mastered, you will never grow. I want to say that again to you. Unless you try to do something beyond what you have already mastered, you will never grow. And if we're honest, and I'll be the first to say this, it's really easy for me to stay in my little comfortable bubble than to be courageous. Can I tell you the times that I've grown the most is when I have stepped out of my comfortable bubble into the unknown. That is where I've seen a lot of change happen in my life. I got a couple of questions for you and we'll be finished today. Here's the first question for you. It's for me as well. It's not just for you. It's for, I think it's for many of us in this room. Has fear paralyzed you from obeying something God wants you to do? Has fear paralyzed you from obeying something that God, you know very clearly he wants you to do it, but you refuse to do it because you are paralyzed by fear? Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's opening up an orphanage. Maybe it's starting a small business. Maybe it's that young lady that you've been dating and you know it's time to put a ring on it. <laughs> but you're a little fearful. And the reason why you're afraid is because you have seen whack examples of marriages and you're afraid that's going to happen to you too. God makes a promise to you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to abandon you. And I can tell you, not just because of something that I read, but because I've experienced the times that I have stepped out, God has been true to his word every single time. 
And now, it's not just because of what grandmama said. Or because of what dad, or I heard somebody else say. No, it's personal to me. I know God won't abandon me. Let me ask you this question. What would you do for the glory of God if you knew it would not fail? What would you do for the glory of God if you knew it would not fail? I believe very possibly this whole city could be transformed, turned upside down, if some of you would just step out in courage. What would you do for the glory of God if you knew it wouldn't fail? If you removed all of the excuses, put the fear to the side, and stepped out and just simply obeyed God, what would you do? You know, some of us, by the way, it's possible that as you sit here under the sound of my voice, you are extremely frustrated with your life. You're frustrated because you feel like your life is at a standstill. And you're looking at everybody else's life around you, and you just feel miserable on the inside because you're like, man, they're moving along. And the reason why it's going to be possible that you're at a standstill is because you refuse to obey what God has said, what he's called you to do. You want to get moving? Obey God. Obey him with that next step, whatever it is. Fill in this blank. I am lacking courage when it comes to what? How would you fill in that blank? And then if you could flip it, maybe you could say this. I can have courage when it comes to blank. Because Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Maybe God is calling to an area where he's saying, you need to get into counseling. And you're a little bit nervous because examples that you have of counseling is what you've seen on TV. Folks hooked up to stuff. <laughs> and you're like, if that's counseling, I don't want to go into that. It's very possible. Maybe you're sitting here today and understand my voice and your marriage it's rocking. And it just needs, it takes one person that says, you know what? I'm going to have courage to take this step. We need to get into counseling. It's very possible, though, maybe you're in a relationship, a dating relationship, and you need the courage actually to step out of the relationship because you know it's not healthy for you. I don't know how God is speaking to you today, but here's what I do know. As God's word goes forth, it doesn't return void. And so I believe that God is using his word in the hearts and lives of people who are in this room right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Whatever we head bowed and all eyes closed, we bow our heads out of reverence for God and we close our eyes out of respect for each other. I have a few questions for you and I'll be finished. The first question is this. Is God speaking to you this morning? How many of you say with your head bowed and your eyes closed, Jay, if I'm just being honest with you, God is speaking to me, to my heart right now in this moment. If that is true, would you just raise your hand and you say, Jay, that's me, that's me, all around, all in this room, <laughs> many of you all over. Anybody else say, Jay, that's me, I know God's speaking to me, thanks for being honest. Here's the next question for you. What is God saying to you? Many times what we do is, is we, we come in, we consume, but we never really sit 
and meditate on and think about what is it that God is saying to your heart right now? How many of you would say with your head bowed and your eyes closed, Jay, if I'm being honest, there is an area of fear that is in my life and I need prayer because I want to move to courage in that area. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and you say, Jay, that's me. There is an area of fear that's in my life. I know it. I know what it is. But you know what, though? By God's grace, I want to move towards courage and obey God's voice. I see you. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for this opportunity once again to be able to share your life-changing word. God, I thank you that as your word has gone forth, you are able to do open-heart surgery while we are awake. And Father, right now in this room, I pray for my brothers, my sisters who are under the sound of my voice, who would just be honest and who have said, you know what, I've been paralyzed by fear in a certain area. God, right now, I pray for your grace in that area. That it would begin to take a step without seeing the entire staircase and just trusting you. And as they do, Father, I pray that they would experience you in a way that they've never experienced you before as a result of taking a step of obedience towards courage. And Father, we pray to you that name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen.